Dr. Luke, chapters 15 and 16. There's three stories here that gives us three different views of life. And Dr. Luke has put them so well together that you and I can learn something from these stories. And I want you to listen and look today. Not only to see what the Bible teaches about that, but where you see yourself in this. There's three types of lives. Three types today. The first one is a wasted life. Then we find a spent life. And then the invested life. So what is life today to you? If you ask yourself that question and in your mind, what is your answer? What is your life? So let's go to Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15 verse 11 we find this young man. The prodigal son. Let's read it from verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to the far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. What a heartbreak. He took all of his inheritance. And then the Bible says he went to a far land and he wasted his possessions. That word wasted is made up of two words. The first word is dire, which means it's an act. And the second word is corpizo, which means to strew or to throw up. Now when you put the two words together, you get dias corpizo. That is the Greek word for that. And dias corpizo means if you stand in front of a fan, a big fan, and you turn the power on and the wind starts blowing from your back and you take a handful of feathers. How, how heavy is feathers? It's really light. And you take it and you throw it up into the air and those feathers blows all over the place. That's what that word is. And he says it here that he wasted, he diascorpizo, all of his possessions. And we can learn from this. Because these days, people are holding on to their possessions. Everything we worked so hard for, we spend a lifetime on every single thing that we've got. And we hold on to those things. And you know what it says to me in this passage when he uses that word? That even our possessions in a life wasted is like feathers. It's got no weight. Absolutely no weight. Yet people spend their whole lifetime, every single effort, to hold on to their possessions here on earth. And some people just waste it. So he says he, he wasted it. He dia scorpizo it on what? On prodigal living. Now let's look at that word prodigal living there for a minute. You see prodigal living which is also called riotous living. What is riotous living? You go against the establishment. Direction comes from the top and riot comes from the bottom. 
The Father was the cover of the Son. Authority comes from the Father. And He said, give me my possession so that I can go away under your authority. I don't want to accept your authority anymore. I want to be my own man. I want to do things in my own way. I want to live it now. But then He went away and He started living a riotous life. And this riotous life that He lived was built on three foundations. The first one is the lust of the eye. The second one is the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That is the foundation, my friend, of prodigal living. Dia scorpizo. Throwing it up into the wind and, and, and it blows out and you lose every single thing. But this is no new news for us, is it? Because we find in Genesis chapter 3 that this is where it started. The foundation was laid in Genesis. You remember when Satan came into the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3? What happened? God said to the man, listen to this. He said to the man, the authority came from God to the man. This is the authority line of God in families today. It is the father to the man. I'm, I'm not saying the Bible says that. And then he told it to Eve. And he said, God said, thou shalt not eat of that tree. That was the word of God. But when Satan came in, where did he go? Did he go to the father? Did he go to Adam? No, no. He was riotous. He stepped aside from the authority of God. We know the Bible says that he was thrown out of heaven. Don't we know that? And because he was thrown out under the authority of God, what happened now? He stepped into a riotous living. And what did he do? He didn't go to the Father and say, did you really say to them that? He didn't go to Adam and say to him, did God say to them? No, no, no. He goes to the lowest point and he goes to the woman and he says, did God really say this? And he attacks God's deity and he attacked attack God's word. You go and check it in your Bible in Genesis. Go and, and, and that's a little bit of homework here for you. Go and circle every time when God speaks to Adam. He says, and the Lord God said, and the Lord God said, and the Lord God said. You go and check it this afternoon, chapter 1, chapter 2. But in chapter 3, when Satan comes in and he speaks to her, what did he say? He said, did God say? He didn't use the word Lord as the title of God of authority. So he attacks his deity and then he said, did God say? He attacks his word. That's riotous. But the point I want to make in verse 3 and uh, uh, verse 6 in Genesis, he says to, uh, to her, did God say that? So see what she does now in verse 6, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, you see, that's the foundation of riotous living. It is, first of all, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. So what happened here? She looked at the tree, and the foundation was laid, and she saw it was good for food that is satisfying the flesh. Oh, so many people are living today just to satisfy the flesh. It's all about satisfying this old flesh. We want to have it, and we want to have it good we want to feel good. We want to, and, and that is what it is. It's a foundation which was laid in the Garden of Eden. 
And it's part of riotous living, prodigal living. And then it says that it was pleasant to the eyes. Isn't that so true that when Satan comes to tempt you, what does he do? He starts with your eyes. He makes it pleasant. Oh, it'll be great to have that. Look how great it looks. And then, and the tree desirable to make one wise. Pride of life. The foundations which was laid in the Garden of Eden. This young man here in Luke chapter 15, look, these things caught him. He had no protection against that. And he went to his father and he says, give me those things. Why? Because I want to satisfy this body. It's all about the flesh. And look outside that. It looks so great out there. It is for the eye. It is attractive to the eye. I don't want to sit here on this farm and with you and every day. No, no, no. I want to go out there when it's looking good. And when he walked away with that stuff, what happens? I'm going to get wise. I'm independent now. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's the pride of life. John writes about this as well in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world. Go and check it in your Bible. He says, do not love the world. Why? Because the world offers you these three things. The world offers you the eyes, pleasant for the eyes, good for food, is for the flesh, and also for pride of life. I've seen so many people walking around these days prideful, and you know what I see? Wasted life, wasted life, because I compare it to this man. You know what John says? He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's so direct. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. So this young man came and he, he said, look, give me all my stuff. I want to go. And it is a wasted life. He wastes all his possessions on prodigal living. So we see that the wasted life is a life for the present. It's a life for today. Hey man, we're going to live it out today. It's a life for today. It's the present. That's all he lived for. Give me my money. I want to go and have some fun and live it all out. Squander it all out. Throw it like chaff into the air and let the winds just blow it away. Look, when he had all that money and things, he had a lot of friends. Things was going well. But there always comes a turn. A wasted life. I see so many people living wasted lives. Young and old. Young and old. It's all about me, myself and I. It's the flesh, the eye and pride. Now we continue. We see the result of a wasted life is a life for the present. Now look at the results now. Look, look at 15 verse 14. But when he had spent all... There always comes a time when you spend all. There arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Now, the tables are turned. All these positions is gone. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the field to, to feed the swine. Now, I just want to remind you, for a Jewish boy, the swine were an unclean animal. 
You see how he was stepped down for having all of his possessions to having nothing, and now he's, he's got to go and work for the pigs. There's a famine, there's no food around. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pots that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Oh, when he had all his possessions, he had all of these friends around him. But now that he had nothing, nobody wanted to give him anything. A wasted life. It is so sad how people can live in wasted lives. Just live for the present. No eye on the future. No eye on tomorrow. Not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. You see... At this point in time in this man's life, he had nothing to show for his time. He had nothing to show for his energy. And he had nothing to show for his money. It was spent. It says he absolutely had nothing. He was in want. He spent it all. And he had nothing to show. You and I have time. And we've got energy. And one day, you will have to give account for each one of these things, whether it's a wasted life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul writes to this church in Corinth. This place in Corinth, I want to remind you, that was a church, it was an affluent city. But there, in that church, were people who were living spent lives. And he had to remind them. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Who's the Him He's talking about here? It's to God. He says it's my aim to be well-pleasing to God. Is God going to be well-pleasing with a wasted life? I don't think so. And then He says in verse 10, For we must, must, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat there is called in Greek the Bema seat. The Bema seat. It's not the white throne judgment seat in the book of Revelation. There's two judgments here. This is the Bema seat where you, as a child of God, appears before Christ when you die. And there you will receive your reward. It's not a judgment for you to send you away. No, no. He's going to look at you and He's going to ask you, what did you do with your time? Oh, I've squandered it, Lord. I've wasted it. What did you do with your energy? I gave you a heartbeat. I give you energy to do things in your life. How influenced was that on people around you? Oh no, Lord, I've wasted it. He gave you. Do you know that everything that you possess belongs to Him? Your possessions belongs to God. Oh, but I worked so hard for it, but it belongs to God. I'm going to show that to you. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And here you are just working every day to make a living. To make it big in this world. And you thought it was all about you, but let me tell you today it's not. It's about Him. He gives you everything and He can take it away. So this is the result of a wasted life. He spent it all. He was in want. And not only that, at this point in time, if this man had died, he would go to the Bema seat and you know what would happen? 
He would give an account of every single thing that is lost. Now the question is, if you waste your life, how shall you get it back then? You sit here and you listen to this and you go, I am one of those who's wasting my life. How do you get it back? In Mark chapter 8 verse 36 he says, For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's learn from this prodigal son. Let's see what he has done. Let's look at it. He says in verse 17, But when he came to himself, you see that? You see, circumstances in life has got a wonderful way of bringing you to yourself. Circumstances in life will bring you to your knees. There are certain things in life which you cannot control whether you like it or not. It's out of your control. But this young man, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So he came to himself... He made a decision and then he did an action. He arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You see, this man was starting to show signs of going from a wasted life to an invested life. He showed signs of that. He first of all, he came to himself. He was convicted of what he's done. And then he said, I will arise, I will do an action. And I will go back to the Father. The authority over him. You see what he did? And he confessed. And he was humbled. You see, he was happy to go in as one of the servants to his Father. Not as a son. So this is the way that you come back from a wasted life. You repent and you come back to the Father. And you come back to the Father with no agendas or no, you, you know, you can't say to the Father, I want all of this and I want this. Oh Lord, if you give me this, I will serve you for the best of my life. Nothing of that. You come to Him on your knees and you say, Lord, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And you repent of that. In verse 21, we see the result of the father. He says, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best rope and put it on him. A rope of protection. A rope of acceptance. It isn't wonderful. He gives us a rope of pure white. A rope of righteousness. And put it on him. And put a ring on his hands. And sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this is my son. He was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to become merry. They were really happy for the son to come back. But this is a wasted life that turned good. But focus on him when he wasted his life. He lived for the presence. For the present day, 
Then he realized there is no future in the present day. The future lies in the future. And he started investing in that, going back to the Father. Now let's go on to the second life now, the spent life. And we look at verse 25. He says, Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing going on. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. No, I don't get this. He wasn't happy and merry like the others were. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. You see, this man was living a spent life. What do you mean by that? Let me explain. You see, he worked hard. It says that he was in the field while his brother was out there and living this wasted life on prodigal living. This man was working from day to day hard in the field. He was working and toiling away. He was well respected, but he was miserable. You say, where do you pick up? He was miserable. When he came back, he was so angry about what's going on here. He, he, he lived in the past. That is this life. You see, it is so sad and dangerous to live a spent life. And I would say there's a big group of people living a wasted life, but there's an even bigger group of people who's living a spent life, who's living in the past. It is so sad and it's so dangerous. Look at verse 29. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years. Where is those many years? Come on, tell me. It's in the past. He's pointing backwards now to his past. He says, all these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commands at any time. And yet you never, never gave me a young goat. That I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours come. Who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. This is so sad. And so dangerous. Why? Because he was all of these many years. He was living with an agenda in his heart. You see the wasted life I can see. I can see when people are wasting their lives. I can see when they throw their possessions into the air. And the wind blows them away. And look I'm not only talking about money and, and material things. I'm talking about talents people got from the Lord. I'm talking about people sitting there. And they throw their talents to the world. Their talents to the world. They throw their whole life into the world and give all the energy to the world I can see that in a wasted life but this spent life that's the dangerous one that's lurking on the inside you can't see it this is somebody work today go home sleep stand up tomorrow work go home sleep stand up tomorrow work 
Go home, sleep. It's the same pattern every single day. But on the inside, it's growing. Why don't people acknowledge me? Why don't they see me? You see, because it's all about me, myself, and I. It is the same foundation that the wasted life had, but now it's growing and it's becoming worse inside and it just waits for that one moment to explode. That's why it's dangerous. It's an agenda which is on the inside. This man was living for the past. And he was living in the past. You see his motives were hidden. It started building up. And now it exploded. That's why I say. It is dangerous. The spent life. And the wasted life. Now let's look at the calamity of a spent life. It says there in Luke 15 verse 31, And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. You are here. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and it's found. And the calamity for this young man, he was so focused on the past. He was so focused building on himself. So focused trying to get his father's attention to see how good he was and how better he was than his brother who wasted his life. He was so focused on that that he couldn't see the present. He couldn't see what he had. So many Christians today look at other Christians and they say, Lord, I want what they've got. Oh Lord, why don't I have what they've got? Oh Lord, why is it always them who looks as if they get better than me? That's a spent life. That's living in the past. That's focusing on self. And that's the calamity of the spent life. And also they can't see the future. They only look at it from the past. And he had everything. He was sitting in his father's house and everything that belonged to the father belonged to him. Do you know that everything that belonged to our heavenly father belonged to you and me? This is what Paul says. He, says, he writes it there in the book of Ephesians. He says, "All I greet you with all the heavenly blessings. All the heavenly blessings belongs to you and me. You can either live that spent life or you can live that wasted life. Or you can live the invested life. Let me give you the invested life. Now we go to Luke chapter 16 verse 1. Now I'm going to read this through to you and then we're going to come back and I'll explain. He says in verse 1, he also said to his disciples, this is Jesus. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I'm put out in stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, One hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and write fifty. 
Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said to him, One hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly, cleverly, shrewdly. For the sons of the world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, now listen to Jesus' words, make friends for yourself with, by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into the everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in what is much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what you own? No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I want to suggest to you that this is an invested life. You look at the steward. He was cutting money off from the master. The master calls him up and he says, Hey, I've got a report that you did something and I'm going to take the stewardship away from you. What is a steward? Steward is someone who possesses everything but he owns nothing. He possesses everything but he doesn't own it. And in a way, you and I are stewards of God. We possess everything God has, but we don't own it. It's His. A steward has the privilege of using these possessions for the good of the master. He allows you to use your possessions for the good of the master. Look at the guy with the spent life. What did he do? He had everything around him. It was his dad's. But what did he do? He was just looking for himself. He was living in the past. Look at the wasted life. He had the possessions. And he says, I want my possessions now. And what did he do? He used it for himself. And it was squandered. It was all gone. But look at the invested life. This is somebody who has the privilege of using those possessions for the good of the master. With privileges comes responsibilities. And with responsibility comes accountability. That's why we say what Paul said to that church. You will stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And every single thing that you had on this earth, you will give an account for. Your time. How much time you spent. Your money. Your talents. Every single thing. It's a privilege, dear friend. It's not a right. And this man was a steward to his master. And the master called him up and said, Look, I'm going to take your stewardship away from you. Look at verse 3. He says, Then the steward said to himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I can't work. He didn't put himself in a position where he can work or fall back on his degrees or anything. Neither... Well, he begged. He was too prideful to beg for anything. So he made a plan for the future. This is an unrighteous thing that he did. He actually went back to these people and he took some of the, uh, the master's money away. He just halved it. But he wanted to get a good account and rapport from these people. 
This man was living for the future. His present day was in danger, but he invested in the future. Jesus says, make friends for yourself by the unrighteous mammon. What did this man do? The one guy owed a hundred measures of oil. He went to him and says, hey, quickly make it 50. Do you think that guy is going to be really happy about it? Hey, you've really helped me out, man. I'll be here for you tomorrow. Don't you worry about it. He cut it in half. He comes to the other guy. He says, hey, 80. He says, just cut it down to 80. The point that Jesus wants to make is not to cheat people in life, but he wants to make this point of looking at your future, invest in the future, live for the future. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. You remember when he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will also be. Now let me ask you the question. What can you take to heaven? Can you take your car to heaven? No, man. You pass away and somebody else will drive it. You look so well after that car. You service it every single time. You wash it so many times, the paint nearly comes off. People can't eat in your car. I mean, you say, oh, that's, no, 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 you don't eat in my car. This is a really nice thing. And what happens? You pass away and somebody else gets it and what happens? They never wash it. They never check it up. And man, you can eat your burger in there and have grease all over the thing. It's going for waste. You understand what I'm saying? You can't take it with you. Can you take your house with you? No, you can't. What can you take with you to heaven? Your friends. By sharing the gospel to them. Showing them a life of Christ. That's a life invested. Paul himself says, I put my hands to the plow, looking forward. Some people are plowing with one hand. Because if they let the other hand go, it allows you, like Lot's wife, to look back. And you know what's going to happen? You can't plow with one hand. You have to stable it and steer it straight. If you take one hand off, it puts pressure on the left side and you will plow, not straight, but crooked. No, we are focused on the future. We look ahead. We live an invested life. And Jesus uses this man. He says, make friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon and learn from that how to invest in a spiritual life in the future. In verse 13 he says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is so true. In fact, right before this he says, If you can trust a man, trust a man in a little thing, then you can trust him in a lot of things. But these days in the world, they say different. They say, look, if there's somebody here who is trusted with millions and millions, with that man you can trust with the small things. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, if you can trust him in the small things, then you can trust him in the big things. And then he says, you cannot serve two masters. The one master will pull you back to this world. That's the three lives. The wasted life, 
the spent life and the invested life. As servants of God, as stewards of what we've got on this earth today, as a steward of your time, as a steward of your talents, as a steward of the possessions. Listen, it's His possessions. We just got the privilege of using it. And with that privilege comes the responsibility and then the accountability. For each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Let us pray.